Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Good day, and I hope you are having a beautiful, peaceful day filled with love, filled with kindness, filled with compassion, because as we always say here on this show, life is not a zero-sum game. For you to live and thrive, someone else, some other being does not have to suffer and die. This is the great realization that will truly uh, allow us as a human species to survive and thrive and evolve. Today, we have an absolutely incredible guest, Marty Irby uh, of the Animal Wellness Foundation. And of course, we all love animals, so we'll have animals barking in the background throughout this broadcast. It comes with the territory. And let me say that Marty Irby is waging a peaceful war to save America's horses. Believe it or not, and it's always stunning to me when I see this fact, it blows my mind in a bad way. And what what the reality is, is 70,000 American horses were tortured and slaughtered for human consumption in 2018, the last year that statistics are available. 70,000 innocent horses. Uh, an animal who, frankly, America wouldn't be America as it is today without the sacrifice of horses. And what do we do in return for these animals that we purport to uh, worship and admire? We, as soon as they cause any problem or they're imperfect in any way, we send them off and we look the other way and put our blinders on and they go on a long ride to a slaughterhouse where they are viciously and violently killed. Marty Irby, tell us what you are doing to end this horror. Yes, thank you, Jane, for having me on the show again. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I work with uh, a number of organizations on Capitol Hill, the American Wild Horse Campaign, the Cloud Foundation, and about 55 or 60 other groups in a coalition that would prevent the roundup of our iconic American wild horses that we last time that we talked. And one main reason for that concern beyond the terrible helicopter roundups and the incarceration of the horses that potentially could lead to horse slaughter. In the current U.S. Um, basically appropriations that are, that are re-upped every year for FY 2020 now, and they'll be working soon on fiscal year 2021, we have a de facto ban on horse slaughter in the U.S. So we've defunded the uh, five or six so million dollars that had previously been provided each year to inspect horse slaughter plants in the U.S. and therefore they can't be inspected and therefore they can't operate and run. So they've been 
out of business since around 2000, I think 2008 or nine, somewhere in that, in that range. And we have to each year go fight with Congress in the House, in the Senate to maintain that defund and that de facto ban. So there's a long-term fix in horse slaughter in the U.S. And that's the Safeguard American Food Exports Act. That's um, H.R. 961 in the U.S. House. It's led by Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky, a terrific, awesome, awesome champion for animals and horses in the Congress. She's a Democrat from Illinois, from the Chicago area. And Congressman Vern Buchanan, who's a Republican and co-chair of the Animal Protection Caucus uh, in Florida. So both of them have teamed up together. We now have about 228 co-sponsors in the U.S. House. So we have more than the majority. We have 218 would be the, the half mark. Let me jump in because you're deep in the woods. You know so much about this. But for people who know nothing about this, by the way, we're here with our um, yeah. co-star, um, Little Rico, our rescue from Puerto Rico. Um, okay, so it's illegal to slaughter horses in the United States. And what that means then is these poor horses are taken on these horrible long journeys uh, all the way to Mexico or Canada without food or water. And it's a torture. And then when they get to these destinations, they're hit with some kind of bolt. It's a horror show. It often misses. And they are, they are viciously and horribly killed. So in essence... By stopping the slaughter here in the United States, great first step. Unfortunately, they left a big, giant gap that allows for tremendous cruelty by allowing these horses to be shipped to foreign countries, Mexico and Canada, to be slaughtered. So their suffering has been compounded. So what you're trying to do is close that loophole and prevent horses in the United States from being shipped to foreign countries to be slaughtered. Is that what the bill you're talking about does? It does. It actually outlaws the transportation of horses for the purposes of slaughter for human consumption. So they would no longer be able to be shipped to Mexico or Canada or any other country. Those are really the only two countries they're currently being shipped to be slaughtered and then processed and shipped. The meat is shipped from there. But, um, it's something that is really, really terrible. I mean, horses are flight animals, and they're prone to flee. They're not like many other animals. They're very skittish in general, so it's even that much more gruesome for them than it is for some other animals just because of their, their makeup and their nature and their biology. Now, let me say this. To me, the problem is, well, there's many problems. This is a multifaceted issue. I want to show you, I have a statue of a horse that is on my mantle. I love horses. When I was a kid, I quote unquote had a horse. My dad was a very good writer. He was a polo player and he played polo during World War II. Um, And so when I was a kid, I had a horse. And one day we came back in the summertime and the horse was gone. And I'll never forget this. It was like a punch to the stomach. My dad said, okay, we're going to go riding on other horses. And I said to him, and I never spoke to my father, ever spoke up. I turned to him and I said, how could you? Our horse, we just found out our horse died and you're just going to get on another horse and go riding? It was unfathomable for me. I was crushed. 
And that was one of the early times that I became an animal rights activist as a child. As a child, I started to see that the adults around me regarded animals as commodities, almost like a taxi cab. Well, this horse died. Now we can just jump on another one. And, um, you know, when I was younger, I did ride. And now I'm not a rider. I feel animals are entitled to their lives. Uh, They don't need me on their back. Not to say that there isn't a bond between human and animals. And some people have a great bond. And if they uh, have a relationship with a horse where the horse and the the, the uh, human companion ride together. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying that I no longer ride and I love horses, but we have a kind of sick relationship with horses. On one level, we deify them. On one mm-hmm. level, we deify them, right? Oh, on the other level, as soon as something happens, like they throw a rider, um, oh, a Buffy wanted a horse and now she's into whatever, selfies. She's she's tired of the horse. Let's get rid of the horse. And the story is always like, oh, the horse is going to go to a beautiful farm and be knee deep in grass. There's a reason why the phrase horse traders stands for something. Often these yeah. horses go on these downward spirals where they end up being shipped to slaughter. This is just one part of the problem. We haven't talked about racing. We haven't talked about the Bureau of Land Management's war on wild horses. I'm just talking about horses that are in our culture where people have the kind of uh, backyards or terrain where they can have horses. They are still treated like commodities at the end of the day. And One of the facts about horses, and I've been involved with horse rescue for a long time, is they are very expensive to keep up. So that's another reason why they get discarded. Now, as we talk about this law to prevent the export of these horses to uh, other countries to be slaughtered, which, which is a horror, I also want to talk about our underlying problem with the horses. We breed them. Yes. We want a perfect horse. Then what about the other dozen or so horses that come out that aren't exactly perfect according to the human mind? Where do they go? And the idea that people are still regarding these horses as commodities. Can you address all this, Marty? Yes. You know, overbreeding in the United States has been a tremendous problem for many, many decades. I grew up in the Tennessee walking horse industry, so I've seen about all of the abuses you could possibly name. And there are so many people that would have even 50 to 100 uh, broodmares that would breed that many colts a year and foals just to try to get one or two that would do exactly what they wanted. And then they would shuck the other ones to the side. They would end up in the slaughter pipeline or even worse, abused and turned into uh, horses that are utilized for carriage rides and things like that. So um, it's very tragic what has occurred in the past and what continues to occur. I do, I will say there has been a definite decline in breedings. The uh, ending of horse slaughter plants actually operating in the U.S. has caused that decline. I think the market has now affected itself. People 10 years ago would argue, well, there are all these horses that are being turned out on public lands and people can't afford to feed them. And, you know, that's why they should be slaughtered. Well, that's B.S., you know, that time has come and gone, even if it really existed in the first place. And you don't see horses out there that are turned out just on public lands. You see only the wild horses. And now we're in a situation where it's basically 
just those breeders who are breeding, you know, five or 10 horses uh, each year to get one that might be good. And they're still throwing those others away. So the numbers have gone down, but the, the ban on horse slaughter has helped that number trickle down. Do you feel if there's a passage of this law, which I pray to God passes, which says you cannot export horses for slaughter across uh, this, the lines of the United States, either south of the border or north of the border, do you feel that will also discourage breeding even more? Because my first thought is, well, we're, we're viciously killing 70,000 horses, American horses a year, shipping them south or north of the border to be killed in a horrific, horrific ride. Imagine being a horse and, mm -hmm. and riding from somewhere in the Midwest all the way to Mexico or all the way to Canada without food or water. I mean, this is torture. This is barbaric and it's medieval. It just gets me so upset. But then once we cut off that pipeline, what shouldn't we also stop people from breeding, period? I mean, what is, what's going to happen to all these horses? Yeah, so I do think that closing those loopholes that allow the horses to be transported over into Mexico and Canada uh, will definitely uh, correct the market even further, and there will be a decline in horse breedings. I think there will, though, still be some people that don't care because right now the horses going to slaughter aren't really bringing any premium price. They might bring a few hundred dollars. So the hope is that the horses that are unhealthy and people are sending them to slaughter, they'll euthanize them. I mean, that's the humane thing to do when a horse can't go anymore or has some ailment that cannot be corrected um, versus sending them to slaughter. So I think it's going to be a mix of both. Um, by the way, while I talk, you made a promise that you would share this out to your Facebook page. So I'm yes. going to speak while you do that. Please keep yes. the audio on silent and everybody watching also share out. These horses cannot speak for themselves. Our cell phone is the best, best tool that we have to speak for them. America's horses are under assault. Uh, you know, imagine, okay, and this does happen to dogs as well. Just this morning, I was on Facebook, my personal page, and I saw two senior dogs who had been dumped at a shelter, and my heart just went out to them. The idea that you have a family member for 10 or 12 years, and then, oh, Getting old, let's just dump her over at the shelter or him over at the shelter. It's beyond comprehension, evil to me. And um, I just don't understand how people do it. But with horses, it's even more um, uh, something that people do because horses are so expensive to maintain. And, you know, we like to think of ourselves as to the manner born. And, um, Horses have that kind of significance. Oh, if I ride a horse, somehow I've got a certain social status and I'm to the manor born. And then once somebody gets the horse, often they start realizing, oh my gosh, this is a very large animal who, and I say who, needs shoes and needs veterinary care and needs hay and needs to be brushed and needs to be taken care of. And I've actually got to know if, if they're riders, I, I have to know how to navigate with this horse. So a lot of times it's ridiculous fantasy of somehow being upper class and aristocratic to the manner born ends up um, becoming a, 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 a fantasy that the, the, the animal himself or herself pays the price for. We've got Lindsay on hold from Los Angeles. Lindsay, what is your question or thought? 
Yes. Hi, Jane. My question is, I have covered, I'm a contributor at Jane Unchained, of course, and I have covered meetings at the California Horse Racing Board. And in the meetings, they adamantly state that uh, are there, that the horses do not go to slaughter in Canada and Mexico. And I was just wondering what stop gaps they have in place and how effective they've been in preventing that, in your opinion. Take it. Yes. Well, you know, many tracks do have a policy, a no slaughter policy, and they would impose a penalty or a fine or some sort of small uh, type of suspension if they find that someone is sending horses to slaughter. But that's very difficult to track. And I think it's sort of a um, on my honor system where they sign a form saying that they won't send a horse to slaughter. So there's really no guarantee, in my personal opinion, that some of these horses are not ending up in the slaughter pipeline, even from tracks that have a no slaughter policy. And haven't there been many famous cases of horses who have won races, who yeah. have been uh, truly, you know, heralded around the world as incredible horses, ending up as horse meat in Japan? Weren't there famous? Yeah, Ferdinand, Ferdinand, the 1986 Kentucky Derby winner, ended up with that terrible fate, one of America's, you know, most famed horses that's won the most famed race in the country. And that horse still ends up on a dinner plate halfway around the world. It's absolutely unconscionable. Who are we as a species that we would betray animals in this way? Who are we? Um, I remember that was. You know, in so many ways, I idolized my dad. But when he when he said that, I just felt like, who are you? Who are you that you would just find out that our horse died and you just jump on another horse and go riding? Um, I I forgive him. He's many many years deceased, and of course, I love my dad. But I think it epitomized the attitude. The attitude. You know, when, when a group of people get together and say even something that's obviously morally wrong is okay, that's when bad things happen. The only thing required for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And this is what's happening in the United States with wild horses. We're only talking right now about a bill to stop the shipment. There's also the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management's cruel, horrific roundup of wild horses. We're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio, and we're going to stay live on Facebook. And then when we come back to Voice America, we're going to talk about that. Okay, so um, thank you so much for being here. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Hi, Jane Velez Mitchell here with Jane Unchained News Network, a 501c3 nonprofit, by the way. Uh, you can go to janeunchained.com and help us do our important work. And uh, our mascot, Little Rico, is a rescue from Puerto Rico, uh, rescued by All Sato's Rescue. And we are here with the amazing Marty Irby. And sit up and lean in a little bit because you're way back. Um, sorry to sorry to <laughs> uh, correct your posture. No, down, down. You had it, you know, I, just you because that was perfect. Perfect. Now, um, we are talking about... Uh, ending this horrific, horrific, horrific practice that that really doesn't get the kind of coverage it deserves um, of sending tens of thousands of healthy American horses to be slaughtered every year in Canada or Mexico. We've banned horse slaughter here in the United States, essentially. And so what happens is 70,000 horses now getting shipped to Mexico and Canada, which exacerbates their suffering because instead of just being killed here, which is horrible enough. Now they're put on a torture ride for hours without food or water and then slaughtered. So we've got to close this loophole. And you were saying, Marty, that there are some members of Congress who are pro-slaughter. Why on earth would anybody be pro-slaughter of horses? We know that we do not consume horses. I don't consume any animals, okay? I don't necessary to consume any animals or their byproducts. And look at me, I'm 64 years old and I've got more energy than a teenager. Uh, But uh, we don't consume uh, horses here in the United States. And, uh, you know, we regard horses as iconic, part of our heritage uh, and uh, just intertwined with our history. And yet people are, are in favor of slaughtering them. Why? Well, they are. It's unfortunately uh, many of the members from the Western states like Chris Stewart from Utah, uh, Adrian Smith from Nebraska, Mark Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma. These guys are tied in very big with the cattle and ranching lobby and are big proponents of beef. So on one hand, they want to round up the wild horses and send them to slaughter because they want that land to raise beef so that then the cows can be slaughtered and people can eat the beef. Uh, on the other hand, they see the, or they claim, which I think is a total BS argument, let me add, that it's a slippery slope. So if we outlaw permanently the slaughter of horses next, we're going to be 
talking about outlawing the slaughter of pigs and the slaughter of cows. And we did outlaw the slaughter of dogs and cats last, uh, well, December of 2018 in the Farm Bill. But I think there's a, a line with the majority of Americans that horses are seen, and not to take away from, from any of the other animals, I'm just saying that horses are seen as something that is an icon, like what you said. Our country was built on their backs, and we see them more as a, a friend, a companion, and have a different way of looking at horses. So there's no slippery slope argument, just another reason for them to be against pretty much any type of animal reform. Like Boy, what you just said was brilliant analysis and a mouthful that I want to dive into. First yeah. of all, for those of you watching who love horses, Marty, who grew up around horses, who's been involved yeah. in the cattle industry, just laid it out. They want to get rid of the horses so they can have the cattle grazing land. Okay. It's, um, a question of will the horses eat the grass or will the cattle eat the grass? And so if you're eating animals, know that you're also contributing to killing horses. So if you love horses, maybe you should rethink that and say, wow, um, I I'm contributing every time I eat a steak uh, to these horses being run off our public lands so that for-profit enterprises that raise cattle can put their cattle in there. And by the way, if you happen to love cougars and other wild animals, ditto, because they don't want to fence off the land or have it patrol that's expensive. So instead, they have this agency called Wildlife Services running around killing all the wildlife who are considered predators to the cattle. So they're killing tons of wildlife, even as we barrel toward extinction. And these species, or many of them, are being decimated out there in the wild, and yet we pay with our tax dollars to have an agency go out and kill more of them just to protect the cattle industry. And by the way, the cattle industry is invited on Jane Unchained anytime at all. Just give me a, a, a ring, go to my Facebook page, and instant message me, or email me at jane at janeunchained.com. I would love to have you on and dialogue about this. Here's the truth. We are also in a climate crisis, and animal agriculture is a huge part of that. And if we had could take all the cattle grazing land on this earth right now, okay, which is something in the order of 37% of usable land, non-ice land, and reforested that since forests sequester and absorb carbon, we could immediately begin to reverse climate change. So for all those reasons, everybody, including the cattle industry, needs to look at this issue because guess what? If life is if, if our planet becomes too hot to sustain human <coughs> life, all industries are gonna go, including the cattle industry, including the fossil fuel industry, including um, the tourist industry. Already, it's hit something like 140 degrees in parts of India. There is a point at which it gets too hot for life to survive on this planet. So we are very um, arrogant. As a species, we assume we cannot go extinct like the dinosaurs. But if you've ever been in a natural history museum and seen a dinosaur, they were king of the earth and they went extinct. So we're really going to have to start thinking differently if we want to survive because 
an ecological apocalypse is heralding, is barreling towards us, and animal agriculture is a leading reason. It's a leading cause of habitat destruction. Look what's happening in the Amazon right now. It's undisputed that the Amazon is being set on fire largely by cattle ranchers uh, because cattle can't graze in forests. They have to have open territory. And so it, that causes habitat destruction. That causes wildlife extinction. Um, Marty, how is, it, how is it that members of Congress can't do the math? This is not, you know, we're capable of pe- sending you know, as they always say, putting men on the moon and doing incredible things, but we cannot make this basic calculation that animal agriculture has become a destructive force on this planet. Look at the coronavirus. It started in the live meat markets. That's not disputed. And, yeah, and, and you still have those live, live meat markets out in San Francisco, I'm told, in California and across the U.S., and the same thing could happen here. You know, I know you know this, but um, I wrote a piece last year for the New Haven Register and talked about climate change and animal agriculture. And if you take all of the CO2 emissions from all of the world's planes, trains, and automobiles combined, that does not equal the number of CO, the number on CO2 emissions from industrial agriculture and factory farming. So it is the number one cause of CO2 emissions on this planet. And we're just eating so much meat, so much food, and then putting it on our plate and 40% of it turned around and being thrown in the garbage on average. So it's, it's just a wasteful, sickening habit that our society has developed and Congress needs to really address this and stop burying their head in the sand when it comes to climate change. I mean, you just said it, said it like it is. You're starting to see a cultural shift occur Look at the Golden Globes, went plant-based, SAG Awards, the Critics' Choice Awards. Uh, we were very honored as Jane Unchained News Network to be part of the coverage of Joaquin Phoenix going to a pig vigil. He spoke to our Jane Unchained cameras. Uh, Renee Marinkovich did the interview, and it was carried all over uh, the globe, uh, from People Magazine to Vanity Fair to Hollywood Reporter to ET Canada used our footage. So... We're, we're very much involved in, in sharing that information. But as long as people feel entitled to tell themselves it's a personal choice, get over it, um, we're in trouble. And unfortunately, sometimes people can't do the math or take responsibility until they hit bottom. And sometimes hitting bottom is having their house burned down. I was in Malibu during the Malibu fires. I personally know people uh, a friend of mine, every house on his block burned except his back, his house. Um, and so it's a wake up call to people. But by the time your house is on fire, it's too late. By the time um, your, your coastal region has been flooded, it's too late. We need to wake up now and um, we can immediately start reversing climate change. So, um, you know, this is something we can all do. And again, those who love horses, please think about the impact of your dietary choices on what's happening to the horses. So bring us the latest on the wild horse roundup. So we spent most of last year fighting with appropriations. The House appropriated $6 million towards the roundups and a plan to incarcerate the horses. The Senate had about 30 some odd million, and I think they rounded out 
at a final number of $21 million that the federal government is providing to round up tens of thousands of horses so that cattle ranchers can be subsidized and then basically put their cattle on the land where the wild horses live, as we've already said. Uh, there was a requirement in appropriations that the BLM has to prepare a plan and send the plan back to Congress for Congress to take a look at before the money is spent. But the BLM does whatever they want to. They have ignored Congress year after year. They've ignored language when, you know, it said that they couldn't sell any horses for slaughter. They switched over to the Forest Service. So the BLM is basically kind of a rogue entity, in my mind at least, and they don't always do what Congress says. Now, hopefully, because they know the spotlight is on them and the acting director is still acting, he's not the, the signed, sealed, and delivered actual director of the BLM, uh, that they're going to pay attention this time. Uh, we've had one really great champion. I know you know of him, uh, chairman of the Natural Resources Committee, Raul Grijalva from Arizona, a Democrat. He's amazing. He has fought his colleagues on both sides of the aisle. We had a letter with he, Chairman Nadler uh, of the Judiciary Committee, even Matt Gates uh, on board to say, hey, we don't want this money to be spent on roundups and incarcerations. We want to promote the use of PZP, which is birth control, um, because honestly, we're not going to stop these people from doing this in the immediate future. I think in the long term, we can when society really recognizes what they're doing. But PZP birth control is what we believe to be the at least temporary answer to the situation, not rounding up horses and killing them. Well, you say we will solve it eventually. The problem is the clock is ticking. You know, um, I was involved in a documentary. I should run out and get it for one second. Hold on. Um, Here it is. Countdown to Year Zero. Uh, I directed it. It's an award-winning documentary. It's on Amazon Prime, free for Amazon Prime members. Countdown to Year Zero, 99 cents for everyone else. The Jane Unshane News Network did this. Uh, It's an educational look at what's happening with our climate. And um, we interviewed Dr. Silas Rao, who was a Stanford PhD, who was instrumental in accelerating internet speeds exponentially. He had worked with Al Gore. He split from Al Gore because Al Gore wasn't talking about animal agriculture's impact on climate change. And um, he says we have about seven years left. So when you say eventually we're going to get it, if we don't get it sooner rather than later, you know, again, I get back to this idea that life is fragile. And if we truly, truly trash our planet and the animals on it, Mother Nature is speaking to us. Look at the pig virus. Look at the coronavirus. Look at the bird flu. What do they have in common? They, they are nature's way of saying what we're doing to animals is obscene. Wake up and realize that there are consequences. And yet, no matter what, the best and the brightest, these great minds, okay? And by the way, I always say that was a sarcastic title, like, look what the best and the brightest yeah. brought us, the Vietnam War, Quagmire. The best and the brightest in media, they will talk about cures. They will talk about the uh, quarantines. They will not talk about the obvious thing. Just end the live markets. Just take these birds out of these cages. Just stop keeping pigs in gestation crates the size of their bodies unable to turn around. This 
Same thing with healthcare. We will talk about healthcare till we are blue in the face. And I've been on shows, talk shows, and and news shows. The second I start talking about actual health and why Americans are so sick, cut off. I get cut off. Jay, we know you're vegan. Let's stick to the issue. That is the issue. And it's the same thing with, uh, I don't want to get into politics. We're a nonprofit, but across the board, left, right, and center, politicians will talk about healthcare. They'll never talk about health. So we are dancing around the big, is it speciesist to say the big elephant in the room? Yeah, because elephants shouldn't be in rooms. They should be in the wild. The big issue that is staring us right in the face with all of our problems, whether it's climate change, whether it's America's horrific health stats where kids are getting type 2 diabetes, whether it's um, the coronavirus or the bird flu or um, the pig virus, all of these problems stem from our abuse of animals, and we don't. We, are we are we looking at it at all, Marty? Well, yes, I think we are. Some people are very forward thinking on both sides of the aisle, and really are working in that direction. The problem is, I think, really, if you look at it from a top down, the current policies in Washington D.C. basically put small family farmers who would be the ones raising pigs, cows, and chickens on pasture out of business. They use their own money to do it through the what they call the USDA checkoff programs. And they have created a system where big ag, industrial agriculture, is becoming more and more consolidated. I mean, it's basically a monopolization of the markets with JBS and some of these other big corporations. And that's killing not only the animals, but it's killing the American farmer and on a health level is killing the American people. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And we are not anti-farmer. We're pro-farmer. In fact, I work with Renee King Sonnen of the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, who has a rancher's advocacy program to transition ranchers from animal agriculture to plant agriculture, like mushrooms or hemp, any number of other things, peas, because peas are a big... Excuse me. Peas are a big, um, excuse me. I guess I'm allergic to this conversation in a way because it's so upsetting. Peas are a big part of the um, meat alternative industry. So there's going to be a growing demand for peas. There's a growing demand for oats. Oat milk is taking off. Um, There's many things. And these these, um, ranchers and these farmers, so-called farmers, who are really operating warehouses filled with animals at this point, getting diseases in the process, they're being factory farmed too. They are being factory farmed too. They are also being exploited. They're put in onerous loans. They are making pennies on these per animal. And they're often getting sick because they're going into these feces and urine um, chemical drenched facilities where they've got to wear masks. It's it's a sick system from beginning to end. And, and the worst part about it is the imagery that is put out to describe this. Oh, animals romping in fields. There's a slaughterhouse that we visit where there's pictures of, of happy animals roaming around and roll, rollicking. And it's a slaughterhouse. So yep. this is the... The disconnect that we have, I do feel people are starting to break through, but um, we have to break through faster.
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. We're here with the amazing Marty Irby of Animal Wellness Foundation. He is fighting in the nation's capital for horses because we're killing 70,000. We're shipping 70,000 a year out to Mexico and Canada for slaughter. And we're also um, allowing the Bureau of Land Management, which is wholly owned by the meat and dairy industry, to chase off. Uh, all the wild horses. What do we have? Like 50,000 wild horses and holding pens at this point? About 50,000 now, yeah. 50,000 wild horses living in holding pens. And of course, they always say, and this is, I think, the big lie, oh, well, they were starving. We had to remove them for their own benefit. Meanwhile, they're producing foals, which, uh, you know, that's not a sign of starvation. They use helicopters to chase them off public land so that they can put uh, cattle on that same land to graze cheap or free. And uh, that's all being done at taxpayer expense because the Bureau of Land Management is pretty much completely owned by the cattle industry, the meat and dairy industry, which is not how government's supposed to work. You know, we as taxpayers shouldn't be forced to subsidize cruel roundups where animals break their legs as they're terrified, chased by helicopters to be put in holding pens by the tens of thousands where we pay millions of dollars a year to feed them when it's they would be thriving on public lands. We used to have millions of public millions of horses, millions of horses. The idea that they're all starving is nonsense. It, it, they want that land. They want that grass for the cattle. So think about that the next time you go shopping for groceries. What do you have to say, Marty? They do. They do. And really, we're actually subsidizing the cattle industry because it costs more to keep those horses in holding and the federal government to pay to feed, to water, and house those horses than they're actually getting in turn per acre by the lease that the cattle ranchers are paying. So it's like a few dollars an acre, whatever the amount is. And they're paying the, the acting BLM director, the acting BLM, William Perry Penley, 
just recently said in the news that the wild horse roundup plan that has been before Congress recently and that is likely to be carried out will cost the taxpayer five billion with a B dollars over the period of a decade. And that's all money wouldn't be spent unless it were it, it's going to subsidize cattle industry, basically. But I mean, when are these people going to wake up? Look, we see Tyson Foods, one of the biggest meat slaughterers, suppliers in the world, investing in meat alternatives, okay, and and creating their own meat alternatives. You don't have to be a genius to figure out that the most inefficient food source, meat and dairy, that has the worst impact on the environment is a leading cause of water pollution, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, and human world hunger during a skyrocketing human population because it takes eight to 25 pounds of grain to make one pound of beef. You could feed the grain or the soy directly to people. That is a source of, of viruses and diseases, animal agriculture, live markets, still animal agriculture, pigs in horrible conditions in China and the United States, but the coronavirus obviously um, in the live markets in China and the pig virus in Asia. They have to know that this is not sustainable and yet they just, they don't care. I, I just don't get it. It's yeah, like- no. It, it, it's definitely, I will say this, uh, I think there are a lot of good members of Congress that do care. The biggest problem we have is the money behind big ag and big pharma and uh, Monsanto and all of those type entities that is out there being spent to lobby for policies that are terrible for the animals, terrible for humans, terrible for the earth, and I could go on, but it generally, sadly, is about whoever is in a member of Congress's ear last. So whoever they're talking to the most and is right in front of them or the last one to talk to them right before a vote sometimes is generally who wins. And I worked on Capitol Hill when they repealed what they call country of origin labeling. And so that was a, a label that required that meat coming in from any country be identified where it came from. They repealed that. Most of the members of Congress, I believe, did not know what they were even voting on. And now, today, if you go buy some meat in the store and it says product of the USA, it may not and is likely not meat that even came from the USA. It just means it was packaged in the USA. And that's, it's just another egregious abuse that's going on. Um, what can people do? What can people do uh, to end, first of all, our specific issue to, to get this bill passed? It's the SAFE Act. And uh, it does have bipartisan support that would stop the transport of the horses across the borders on north and south. What can people do? I think people can do two things. If you really want to stop horse slaughter and you really want to stop the big money, the big lobbying money that's fueling all these lobbyists who are basically advocating for pro-slaughter positions, call your members of Congress at 931 225-3121. It's 931-225-3121. That'll take you to the Capitol switchboard. You can give them your zip code or address. They will send you to the correct senator or congressman and ask them to not only co-sponsor the SAFE Act, Safeguard American Food Exports Act, that would end horse slaughter, but also to co-sponsor the Opportunities for Fairness and Farming, the OFF Act, that would prevent these dollars from being utilized to lobby against policies that are good for animals. 
That is excellent advice. We will put that phone number up as soon as we are uh, wrapped on this so that anybody seeing it after the live will be able to make that call. But say it once more. Let me put it on the comment section right now so that those of us watching on Facebook can comment. Uh, okay, call Congress at and just give me the number. 202 225 3121. Hold on, I'm not that fast. 225 3121. Okay, 202 225 3121. There, I did it. 202 225 3121. So you can call that number right now, and I'm going to do it where uh, people can call. 221, and then the last digits? No, no, 202. Yeah. And then 225, and then 3121. 225-3121. Okay, so that's the correct one. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to call the second we get off. I never ask anybody to do something that I don't do myself. Yes, and absolutely. And let me tell you, uh, this is the most effective, effective thing you can do is make a phone call because – um, they do listen. They know if somebody's upset enough to make a, a phone call and actually talk to their member of Congress, they write those down and they do listen. So it's absolutely urgent. And so when you call, you want to say, pass the SAFE Act. And what was the other act? It's the OFF Act, Opportunities for Fairness in Farming. And that would prevent a lot of these dollars that are being illegally utilized to lobby for policies that are anti animal policies from being utilized for that purpose. Opportunity for Fairness in Farming Act. Um, yes. Yeah. The and, uh, yeah. I mean, didn't uh, the head of one major agency basically tell small farmers, get big or get out? Yes. Sonny Perdue, the USDA Agriculture Secretary, just said that, I believe, in October and November at a dairy convention in Wisconsin. He said, get big or get out. He okay. did. That's what he said. Now, we know that dairy is struggling. People are switching in droves to plant-based milks. They're doing it for their health because milk is filled with cholesterol. And um, there are also a lot of people, I would say most of us are allergic to dairy. It's the breast milk designed for calves, not for human consumption. We're the only species that drinks the breast milk of another species. So for many reasons, dairy is... Um, in crisis, and we are with the with uh, the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary Ranchers Advocacy Program, really helping these farmers transition to other uh, milks if they want to produce other plant based milks. Um, but um, the law of unintended consequences in attempting to prop up the industry, uh, and then you consider the trade war mixed in there, and then the consumer taste changing. Are we? It, is that industry being driven out of business? No, I think the dairy industry is. You see an all-time high in bankruptcies for dairy farmers and really farmers across the board and an all-time high in suicide rates for dairy farmers too because they just kept doing the same thing that their father did or, or grandfather did and didn't find uh, a new opportunity to be able to transition their farm into a different sector. So... You know, sometimes even when, let me give you an example of the electric car. We all saw the documentary, hopefully watch it. It's brilliant. Who killed the electric car? We could all be driving electric cars. Yeah. We had an electric car in early nineties. 
uh, I believe it was General Motors. Don't quote me on that, but I, I think so. Anyway, um, they killed it. They killed it because they didn't want to have to. People, they actually fought with people that had the test models who loved them so much. And they pulled them out and they destroyed it. And it's a documentary called Who Killed the Electric Car? And they did it because they didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. And so what do we have? We all drove uh, gasoline cars. We had wars. Uh, and a good argument can be made that, that none of that would have happened if, if we weren't so reliant on oil. Yep. In the middle, middle East oil. And uh, all these years later, guess what? The electric cars are coming up and Tesla's the hottest stock out there. And uh, I'm on my third Toyota Prius. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, electric cars are finally here, but it took way too long. Here's the thing. If the same trend happens with animal agriculture, we might not be around to finally make that transition because, what we're experiencing environmentally today, according to Dr. Silas Rao, who has just written a white paper on this subject, is but a tea party compared to what's going to happen in uh, within a decade. Uh, we're going to see already. You see, you know, iconic spots like Venice, Italy, underwater. It's yeah. not like oh, okay, Venice, Italy's underwater. Well, it's going to drain, and then everybody can go back. No, there's things like mold that occur once. Uh, an area is inundated. Uh, we see it happening with the Keys. We saw it in Puerto Rico. We saw it with the Bahamas. Uh, we saw it in North Carolina. Yep. Uh, we are racing against time. And, and I really feel that uh, across the board, Democrats and Republicans, uh, they, are compl- they have their heads in the sand. And part of it is that Iowa is the first, uh, you know, the first hurdle for, for people running for president. Uh, and they just are beholden to this industry and they won't even talk about it. I mean, you've got somebody, even progressives, trying to outlaw somebody saying butter for soy butter. Oh, because the, the consumers will be confused. What about peanut butter? Does that confuse you? Yeah, good so point. We've got, we've got um, people who are literally have their blinders on. That's why it was so powerful that Joaquin Phoenix got up and spoke at the Golden Globe Awards and said, thank you. For, uh, for acknowledging animal agriculture's role in climate change, and people applaud it. People, yes. You know, you can suppress the truth for so long, but eventually it will come out. The truth always comes out. Um, Marty Irby, I, I want to thank you. Everybody, support Animal Wellness Foundation. You're a 501c3, I assume? We are. We're Animal Wellness Foundation 501c3, and Animal Wellness Action's a 501c4. So. Yes, and um, I hope you get to... Um, you know, really make that change for the horses. And um, that's going to, I think, also have an impact. When, when we speak up for horses and say they need to stay in our wildlands and we, ha- we have to stop shipping them to uh, Mexico and Canada, that's also going to send a message uh, to the government that, you know, don't be so beholden to these industries that are destroying the planet. Thank you so very much, Marty Irby. Animal Wellness Foundation, 501c3. Animal Wellness Action, 501c4. Please support them. See you next time here on Voice America Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 